Hello, everyone. This is The Visionary, a podcast brought to you by Future U, an initiative for students by students. Here, we imagine the European Union of the future, where the priorities of young people and the next generations matter. In every episode, we discuss with academics, policymakers, and experts visionary ideas for a better future EU. Hello everyone, welcome back to The Visionary. I am Cecilia and one of the co-founders of FutureU. I'm very happy to uh, record this episode today because it's been a minute. We at The FutureU have been working very hard at the second edition of the FutureU competition. What is the competition? The competition is an event that calls all students and PhD researchers of the Civica universities to come up with visionary policy proposals for a better and future you. The topic of this year is going to revolve around youth, democratic participation and program participation in the European Union. And in particular, how to make European policies more responsive to the needs of future generations and at the same time, how to make the voices of young people more relevant into the context of the European institutions. We have seen over and over again in the lead up to national and European elections that young people are willing to take charge and to voice their concerns, whether that is organizing sit-ins or movements to, to put forward policies to contrast climate change, young people are out there on the streets. It's not always clear, though, how this translates into policies that are then implemented and for voters to see. So I am beyond excited today to have two very special guests to discuss this with me. The winners are the first Future U competition ever. Natalian, she's a Hathi School alumna, as I am. She works as a policy officer in the German Federal Ministry of Labor and Social Affairs to implement European social fund programs at the federal level. And Elena instead is studying for a master in public policy at Sciences Po. And last year, she told us that her niche was election studies and comparative electoral behavior. It's so nice to have you. I would say that we have a lot to discuss, so let's get going. Nazrian, Beyond working as a policy officer, as I just mentioned, you have worked on labor market integration of young people and you have described yourself as committed to the European challenge. Do you think that something is overlooked when designing and implementing policies at the European level that affect young European generations? And what do you think should be done to contrast that? Thank you so much, Cecilia. Thank you for this nice introduction. So I think when designing policies that affect young generations, what is often overlooked is that the information process seems to be in a way disrupted. And of course, there is tons of information online, but it is a greater challenge to channel this properly, simply and directly to the target group through different societal structures, for example. And I must say there is a wide range of possibilities offered for the young people in the member states of the EU. And I myself profited from many programs such as Erasmus or Learning Mobility Project and Youth Pass. However, I assume that many prospective young people do not know about these excellent opportunities. And these projects should be able to reach a wider range of young people outside the university context especially the vocational-oriented schools. My point is that once these programs and projects are better known by the young generations, EU policies will become more tangible and comprehensive, thereby making clear how EU policies influence our day-to-day -day lives. 
you raised an important point that if a person doesn't know the value that the European project represents in his or her life, it's very hard to support the idea, right? To make information about European programs more readily available and uh, accessible to young Europeans is crucial. I often say that Brexit was the reckoning moment for me mm -hmm. in realizing how the European project is, is precious and how much value it adds to the lives of Europeans, but also mm -hmm. how fragile and how reliant it is on public support, as it should be. It's a democratic project. It was compelled by different levels of support because to me, as a young person that uh, grew up in a very urban context, the added benefit of Europe was evident. And instead seeing the generational divide in European support, but also big differences in access to information. So whether yeah. that was because of level of education, socioeconomic background or geographical location of young European, I realized how these differences were crucial in determining public support. I know that you have wrote on Brexit and populism and yes. uh, for the EU. What influences support for European project? There are many points to consider, but let me start with a quote by the scientists that I really appreciate. The scientists are called Mutter and Kaltwasser. They argue that populism could be seen as a mental map through which individuals analyze and comprehend political reality. And therefore, it is extremely important to reconceptualize the personal realities along with the given economic, social and political conditions. And of course, the intergenerational perspective on political issues may change over time. But when it comes to the political engagement on the EU level between generations, I would still argue that it is more about bringing the EU closer to our individual everyday lives. And it is tremendously necessary to make EU policies more tangible for citizens in general because of the high degree of its political abstraction and complex narrative. Questions like who is representing whom are often unclear in my point of view. And these kinds of discussions need to take place between the system of the EU together with the local politicians who are representing their local realities. What you were saying is that very often it's not clear how the will of the people is translated at the level of policymaking. So Elena, you are one of the founders of the Political Innovation Association and you work at a project called Follow the Vote. Could you please explain a bit what that is? Yes, thank you, Cecilia, for the invitation to the visionary. What's behind the Political Innovation Association? Like the name says, this is a non-profit association which is devoted to topics around political innovation especially in the digital space. And our main goal is to make political education and participation more accessible and especially more digital. To this end, we launched our first project. We have launched an application for young citizens in Germany, and this is called Follow the Vote. Follow the Vote confronts you daily with one political question, and it takes you just five minutes to answer that or to work on it. It's all about making politics simple, but still factful, and transmitting information in an interactive and fun way. That's what's behind the project. And what prompted this is that young adults inform themselves about politics today, mainly via social media. Of course, you can see this positively and argue that this exposes them a lot to political content. But the issue is that first, social media is more about opinions than facts. And secondly, the algorithms 
of these platforms confront you with information that you sympathize with and opinions that you can relate to automatically. So we argue there is definitely a need for high quality information and then opinions which really cover the pluralistic debate kind of that makes democracy. That's how Follow the Vote evolved. It sounds so interesting. I have to say opens an entire area of possible actions that one can take to bring young people closer to European politics. And I found that very compelling. You mentioned young adults now, they inform themselves by social media. In other words, they inform themselves in a way that is different compared to other generations. And I wonder about the different ways in which young people participate in politics. How's that change? Yeah, it's really interesting to look at political participation with regards to young people, because what you see in the literature and also in the media often is two conflicting images of the young generation. On the one hand, young adults are depicted as disengaged, apathetic, and not really interested in politics. For instance, their turnout and also party membership is lower than that of older people. But on the other hand, It's also backed by the data that young people have a high trust in the overall democratic system and that they do engage in politics, but by other means. Specifically, they favor what researchers call non-institutionalized modes of participation. So these are protests or boycotts, whereas then the elderly make much more use of those conventional and institutionalized modes like campaigning at activities or being member of a party. You could characterize the political participation of young people today as thematically focused, for instance, on climate change or human rights. And you can also characterize it as more temporary and a much more informal commitment that this participation entails. They prefer less structured and less long-term engagements. So you have these two seemingly conflicting stories, and I think it's important to say, hey, it's not that young people are not interested in politics, it's just the way they want to engage with their politicians and how they want to participate. This is different from older people. I have a question for both of you. I was reading recently about influencers in politics and how influencers would pick their battles, the trendiest one, and just focus on particular niches. And exactly as you just said, usually young people are interested in particular things, like climate change. Would you say that in general, the health of the political debate has weakened following what's mainstream and then other battles instead are left aside? I think you can say on the one side that social media and also the contact to politics through influencers is a good thing because young people could use this as a first point, getting in touch with what politics is and what questions you ask yourself actually and what is your own role as a young citizen? How can you actually change things? So for instance, there are influencers who say, hey, there is a petition that you can sign if you agree with this certain opinion. So I think social media can in a way be a first step for young people to get politicized and to feel that their voice matters. So this is a good thing. But then, of course, I also see the concern that you mentioned that the debate becomes too narrow on one topic. So I think young people should also seek the way into institutionalized means of participation and actually say, hey, I'm super interested in climate change and combating climate change. So I make the step and I am engaging in a party. And then from there, they broaden their view and they 
inform themselves about different topics and notice, hey, this is about so much more. There are so many interesting fields you can work on. So I think it must not stop there at the point where you just see an influence on YouTube. I think that's not where it should stop. I totally agree with Elena. And I would like to add that it is really important to look at the position of the influencers because they can take like a monopole position when it comes to information processing. And meaning by that, I really would like to point out that fake news can be danger when it comes to social media. So it is also important that these influencers are well aware about making a difference between truly approved information and fake news. So that's the only point that I really would like to add on. I would like to build also on the comment of Elena that was saying that on top of the social media activism or the street activism of young people, what is very often needed is that the institutionalization of this activism so that actually young people then go join a party and influence politics from within the institutions that actually are able to design and implement these policies. And I would like to build on that, going back to a comment that you made, Anesliana, after the very first question I asked you was, you know, what was being often overlooked, right, by your institution when designing implementing policies that affect young generations. And you said that you had ideas or solutions to that. What would you say? I think it's super important to reach a wider range of young people when it comes to information, when it comes to EU policies, to make EU policies more tangible and more comprehensive. For example, outside the university context, especially vocational-oriented schools, need to be informed and need to be well-informed about EU policies to make them more tangible, more comprehensive, because there is a huge information overload. There need to be structures, filters, these information and bring directly to the young people. But it's about the infrastructure of information processing when it comes to explaining EU policies, EU as such in general, and to make it more comprehensive on a way of not putting a lot of complex narrative on it, more in the easier, simply way. And the idea of follow the vote is one approach to have an answer to that. That would be my position. Actually, the first step before thinking of any more innovative solutions, I mean, we need them for sure. But politicians themselves have to take a step back and see that currently most of the young people say, my representatives, I don't feel that they represent myself and I don't feel that my opinion matters. And this is where the lacking trust comes from into parties and into politicians. So I think this is the very first step that politicians need to talk more often in the public with young people. Totally. And, and that young people need to be part of certain committees within politics. And then this must be communicated effectively in the media to, to show that, hey, if you engage, this will influence politics. So I think this is maybe something that politicians themselves should do first. And of course, it is also about taking young people serious and their concerns, their thoughts, their ideas, and not ignoring them and offering them in a way of a platform to discuss because they are next generations who, are, who will create new ideas, new solutions. I fully agree with both of you. If you feel that 
the people that are in power don't listen to you, you don't give them trust, then there is a problem for legitimacy of the political class. And then what does that say about the health of democracy in Europe and how important then it is to have fora for public discussion? This was actually one of the considerations that brought as of Future U together as a student-led initiative that happens on campus. I see campuses and universities as a big, let's say, incubators of ideas, right? Because you have a lot of people that are young, very often opinionated. Would you say in your experience as a student or as a former student that there was a willingness to exchange with practitioners or politicians and on the other side, listen to students? Did you ever have a thought on this? It's an interesting question. I think at Sciences Po, actually, this could be true for many campuses. If you have panel discussions, there will be experts. And of course, Sciences Po has great panels with really amazing researchers combined with also practitioners. But what I at least have not seen is that students are part of the panel and not only the ones asking questions after the debate. Where there is room for debate among students is in class. And I think there we all are really motivated to exchange thoughts. But then that this leaves the classroom, I think there could be done more. I'm loving everything that's coming out of this conversation because it just reinforces once again the desires, you know, the concerns that we had at Future U when you participated in the first edition of the Future U competition. We wanted to give participants a platform on which they could express opinions, ideas, proposals. I think the topic invites you actually to start brainstorming by asking your colleagues, your friends, what they think are the right ways to better include young people's voices in the EU. As compared to last year's topic, I think it's so close to us. This is a great opportunity to really think about this specific topic. And I think then what I would recommend is to make the proposal your own and tell in the brief why your reform is necessary and especially also how to get there. And then I think if you can develop this passion about your own proposal, this will be very good in front of the jury after, later. And then before that, really enjoy the process of writing and of thinking. And I would say have fun thinking about ideas and creating potential solutions discuss your technical suggestions with people around you and seek constructive feedback. And of course, don't be shy about thinking big. I like this. Did you like your experience back then? Yes. Was, yes. Would you redo it? I would totally. And I think Elena is going to apply for the second round of Future EU initiative. And I really enjoyed the time. I've learned a lot and specifically to talk about these technical solutions within a greater jury and to defend ideas and creating potential solutions and discuss your technical suggestions with people around you and seek constructive feedback. Perfect. Thank you so much. This is actually a very good piece of advice. If there is any testament that it has been a good experience is the fact that you, Elena, you are planning on participating again. It just compelled me and also the others to to give you an even better experience. Who knows whether you will win again. I hope that you're going to have a great, great ride again. This 
concludes this episode. So thank you so much, Nathalie and Elena, for being here with me today and share all your thoughts on youth and democratic participation in the European Union. How can people follow you if they would like to? You can find me on LinkedIn. So for me, I think follow my work with Follow the Vote. Definitely check it out. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn or via Sciences Po as a student ambassador. If you have any concerns you want to raise, then get in touch. And on top of that, I would also suggest to everyone to just go and look for the live performance of Elena and Nesli Han last year on the YouTube channel of Civica to gather some inspiration and just to share some love. Thank you so much again for being with me today and talk to you soon. This was The Visionary. If you liked this episode, feel free to reach out to us on our website or social media to share comments and suggestions. We really appreciate them. Then make sure to follow us to never miss a new episode. Till the next time.